Welcome to the sixth episode of Vista Mall 2017 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors, where the fun never stops. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is a Canadian who finds it very difficult to share a working girls' hotel with anyone he meets, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's our legally mandated non-elimination episode this, so as you said right before we started recording, we don't even need to eulogize anyone for ten minutes. Yay! I like how the start of this episode begins with Art saying, now that Euroan accepted his defeat while tired but satisfied, I'm thinking, yeah, no wonder Euroan made a great mole and a great returning player. If, if I'm going to pick anybody, I'm going to pick the person who I described in his first run as tired but satisfied. I know we, we went over this a lot, but it's inexplicable that Euroan was even mentioned at the start of this episode. He wasn't mentioned in the previously on segment, which was hilarious to me. And then Art just completely buries him in the intro. Yeah, it's inexplicable to me that he had any effect whatsoever on the remaining five people. And then we get to the next five people. Sonny is described as the mother who takes charge and plays everyone else like pawns. Emanuela is willing to go very far to get what she wants. Thomas is loved by everybody and his clumsiness is forgiven. Joachim always sets trap after trap for his fellow contestants. And Diedrich combines facts with figures. I think some of those are slightly disingenuous, because I certainly wouldn't say that Joachim has a plan for anything. I think he tries to set trap after trap, but he's the one that ends up falling in his own trap, especially when it came to the bonds, because he's really had to go out of his way to be trustworthy again to uh, Manuela. I would say he is more of the clumsy one, and Thomas is more the one who has a plan. I certainly wouldn't say that Joachim immediately comes to mind when you go, which of these five people actually comes into everything with a plan? I would not say that is Joachim in the slightest. Yeah, I wouldn't really assign him with the Rakim label of always having a master plan. No. So, previously, the final six set out on a trip along the Oregon Trail. When faced with a 12,000 euro shooting challenge, they only hit the bullseye six times. But thanks to everyone's effort matching rodeo posters, they began to recoup their losses from the auction. Art taunted them with a fourth woman going home in a row, but instead it was future top five Dutch mole in the space of four years, Jeroen, who got dysentery and died along the way. And they are back in Pendleton on day 11. The episode title is Become Wiser? Become Wiser? You have to give it the inflection because it was question marks in there. And Sana introduces the episode by talking about being back in Pendleton. Their entire identity is as a Wild West town. She says that they're staying in the Working Girls Hotel, and Joachim talks about how difficult it is to be sharing a living space with other people. And then they head to a shop for the first assignment, a rare first evening assignment. In the 19th century, an underground city was built under Pendleton's houses. They were used to keep Chinese labourers when they were building the railroads, before they were used in Prohibition times for bars and brothels. And Art is looking for two people with a good memory, Thomas, reluctantly, and Sanna, volunteer and Emanuela, Diedrich, and Joachim are left behind for now. Joachim says that it's great, because if he's with Emanuela, they can stop the mole doing any moling in this challenge. Sana and Thomas have ten minutes to go around the underground city and memorise everything. They can only go forwards. The rest will then follow and take money thanks to their instructions. You know what, uh, this really shouldn't have amused me, because they introduced this place as being being forced housing for Chinese laborers who weren't exactly treated all that well during the building of the railroad, for there is a lot of racism involved. And then Thomas enters this place with a Say No to Racism t-shirt. 
it's like, um, yeah, do you know where you exactly are, Thomas, in the history of that place? I think you were a couple, you were a little over 150 years or so too late there, Thomas. I know we've bitched for the past couple of episodes about them maybe phoning it in a little bit, but this is a really cool challenge and a really cool location to do the challenge. Yeah, very heavy themes, especially for a first season set in the western US because they are very significant Chinatown populations all along Vancouver, Portland, Seattle, and of course, you know, Northern California. And then the fact that it was also used for the Prohibition era, era which is a very American uh, cultural piece of history. So the fact that they were able to somewhat combine those two things in this into this challenge and have live actors play the role of the of the mannequins and dummies in the area and have it be underground too is really cool. It is, yeah. I mean, I'd completely forgotten until I started watching this challenge that they do just decide to troll them completely by going, yeah, Santa and Thomas are going to have a look at dolls, but we're just going to put some live actors in there for funsies in the dark and just really tease these people. Because I think there was only about a thousand euros on offer in this challenge. It's not a majorly impactful challenge, this one. It's just a fun challenge. It's not one where you can recoup everything that's been lost in the pot. No. So Sana immediately notices creepy dolls, and she was worried that they were real, but they were dolls, both thankfully and not so thankfully. And she finds a minus 100 euro note, but misses the 100 euro in the pocket of the barmaid who sat on the bar. Thomas finds a minus and a plus note in a wash basin. Sana then reminds us that she really, really hates the creepy dolls, and she's so glad it's not a haunted house. The trio then go down the stairs. Instead of the lights being on, they are off for their trip, and the dolls are people. And they get two envelopes at the bar. Sana realises over the walkie-talkie that she missed one of them, and they take the envelope that isn't in her lap. Diedrich laments the fact that Emmanuel narrated their entire journey to Sana and Thomas. Speaking a lot is a great mole tactic in this challenge. No extra discipline, eh? Absolutely no extra discipline. How would you have played this as a mole? Well, there was a lot of chaos. I could... I mean, if you're in the second group, that's the group that's responsible for obtaining money, so I guess create as much confusion as possible when walking. Maybe scream really loudly when one of the actor scares you, and do the classic hold down the button but not actually speak on the walkie-talkie. I guess you'd probably be want to be one of the people... Yeah, I think I'd want to be in that second group. Yeah, I don't know how much of an impact a mole can have in this challenge. Having said that, in the dark, the moles can start snatching other envelopes and swapping them around and things. Yeah, because they're all blindfolded, so yeah, the mole could just quickly snag things and no one would be able to see it. Yeah, scratch what I said. <laughs> yeah, I think you would be a, there'd be a lot less uh, tension on you, and I think you'd be a lot more free to sabotage than any other challenge. They can't, they can't see you sabotage. So thanks to Emmanuel talking about a broken lamp, they realise that the tunnels are in darkness now. And they spot another missed pair of envelopes after the butcher, and Santa and Thomas just tell them to pick one of them. Have fun. Pick the left-hand one if you want. Before the card players, they miss another pair of envelopes on a crate. And the card players have been replaced by real people, and they've already swapped the two of hearts. And Santa ends up just describing the position. I like how when they do the flashback, Thomas goes through, he's like, oh yeah, there's nothing of significance there. There's nothing of significance with the crates. And it's like, really? Because I think Santa said the same thing. I think Santa said... Yeah, there's nothing of significance there, don't worry about it. 
we can just keep moving on this one. Yeah, which is another moly thing you can do. It's like, yeah, maybe the mole was in the first group, considering both Thomas and Sonny are combining with the worst instructions possible to obtain money. Ah, eh, skip this room, you can skip that room, eh. It was, it's just there for decoration, really. And of course, when they end up meeting up as a group, they do it in the bar area, and Art is kind of flanked by the woman sat on the bar. <laughs> this is just a weird visual. Just a weird interaction, too, where she's sitting up there, and... Uh... It looks like Art's gonna gonna party with her later. I'm thinking, is it still Prohibition era? Is there like a Prohibition era themed party where Art and the contestants are just gonna hang out there and dance with all of these women? My absolute favorite thing of this is if you keep an eye on the shots of the team in in this scene, there is just one of the actors who is just glaring constantly at the camera over their shoulders, and it is hilarious every time you see it. Any time they cut over to the team, there's just one kind of pale Oregonian just staring into the camera. And it's very, very funny every time. I didn't notice the person staring at the camera. If you go back and just watch this scene later, you'll spot him. He's just... I can't remember what the order of people was, but I think he's between the second and third person, and you'll see him dead on. He's just glaring at the camera constantly. So, they collected six positive and two minus envelopes, giving them a total of 400 euros of a thousand for the challenge. And then they wake up on day 12 with another classic Bond scene. Sana has been left without a Bond, and she's scared that she will be executed next if she doesn't know the information that they all know. And she proposes a Bond with Diedrich and Thomas. Thomas says in confessional that they like her, but they also suspect her. And they make a gentleman's agreement with her to share the bare minimum information. She also then tries to make a Bond with Joachim as she suspects him, but Emanuela cannot know, and neither can Thomas and Diedrich. She proposes to him that she becomes his Bond mistress, his extra wife. And he says last time that he did this, it didn't end well, so he's not interested, but good luck. Cold. You're as cold as ice, Joachim. I love this scene so much. I'd forgotten how much I love Sana just trying to ingratiate herself with people. I like how uh, she said, oh, I'll be your mistress. And Joachim's like, nah, that's still not going to work. <laughs> I like how Sana just reduced herself to the lowest possible... Bond mate or alliance mate in any Vidim season, and it's like no, 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 even even you can't even be a mistress, can't even be a peon. And they are then driven into the countryside. Joachim is excited because as a six-year-old he wanted to be a farmer until he heard what time they get up in the morning. Yeah. And, and on that note, he he would probably not enjoy being an ESL teacher given the hours that you keep. Yeah, Joachim, do you want to? Wake up at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and have your peak hours of work be between 1 a.m. and 6.30 a.m. in the morning? You want to do that, Joachim? So Art meets them and asks for two people who absolutely do not want to be farmers. Sana immediately volunteers and Diedrich reluctantly joins her. The other three will get a ride on lawnmower each and mow the grass in a field on a farm. They have to mow a word into the grass. The longer the word, the more money they will make if Diedrich and Sana can read it. If they go for a four-letter word, it's 50 euros, but it stretches all the way up to 2,000 euros for a ten-letter word. And they decide to go for Molbukias, or Little Molbuks. And they decide to alternate the letters, with Thomas starting with the M, then Joachim the O, and then Emmanuel at the L, and so on. They have 15 minutes to write their word in the ground. Dijuk and Sana are watching from a nearby hillside. And this is, I would say, one of the iconic challenges of the season. Because it really does have an impact, not only monetarily, but 
I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. Up until this year, if you Google Maps that farm, you could see the word Molebookers in their field. Oh, really? They kept that there? Yeah, it was still there on Google Maps up until this year. This year is the latest uh, update on it, because I did have a look at this before we started recording. Uh, it's no longer there, but it, it was there for years, because they didn't update the satellite image at all. So it was there for absolutely forever. That's a shame that's gone. Somebody should re-mow it. Oh, I, I, I have a field trip for when the borders open up to the States. <laughs> yeah, you were going to do a, uh, a field trip to get a vaccine, but now you can just do a field trip to go mow the word Molebookies in a uh, field in uh, in Oregon. Yeah, I'll probably misspell it too. If this was Belgian mole, I bet you any money that... not Well, not any money. I'll bet you very few dollars that the song She Thinks My Tractor Is Sexy would have been playing during this challenge. That is a bop. Kenny Chesney's Finest Hour. It would either be Kenny Chesney's She Thinks My Tractor's Sexy or alternatively Nothing But Cowboy Boots. Man, my country music knowledge is minimal. <laughs> As the name suggests, Nothing But Cowboy Boots is about celebrating your birthday in your birthday suit while wearing Nothing But Cowboy Boots. Oh, that's that was going to be the backup if they weren't able to do the... Life drawing, fast forward in Vancouver and instead had to move it to Calgary. They would have had to just wear cowboy boots to claim the fast forward. Let's be honest, that does sound like the sort of thing they would have done in peak era Amazing Race Australia. So they quickly read the word mole and then try and guess what letters will be next and they become obsessed with the word for molehill. They then think it will be a hangman puzzle with MOL starting and then an ellipsis. They try and fill in the rest. Santa then spots the word molebook. They solve Molebukia's, and Diedrich asks her whether they should play it safe with Molebukia because they're confident on that. And time runs out, and they submit their guess of Molebukia's, winning them 2,000 euros for the challenge. Art says afterwards that Emanuela and Joachim suspect Diedrich, while Diedrich and Thomas suspect Senna. Senna is stuck in the middle of Thomas and Joachim. So many bonds are being made that it's not just the mole who is playing a double game at the moment. Whoever does best at the final assignment of the episode will have power, but only if they come clean with the group. And they then head to the Helix Rodeo for the final challenge of the episode. Art immediately teases them by suggesting that they might be riding the rodeo bulls. They're actually looking for eight people with walkie-talkies hidden around, each with a value from €10 to €1,000. The first four that are rung in will bank them, and whoever banks the most money will decide which two people other than themselves will not have to see their screen at the execution. And Joachim almost gets arrested. He does. He's he's definitely on a watch list by the time that he leaves Oregon after this challenge. Because he just walks around staring at boobs. Yeah, he's just staring at everyone's chest or cleavage, looking for money. <laughs> I don't know how else to phrase that. It's like, Yalcom, you're not at the Working Girls Hotel anymore. It is a delightfully awkward challenge, this, because they are all wearing mole buttons with the values on them uh, when you find someone with a walkie-talkie. And they're wearing it at chest level too, which is like, yeah, I mean, what else are the contestants going to do? Joachim and Thomas are just going to, and Diedrich are just going to have no choice but to just stare at everyone's chest. Be like, oh, no, I was looking for the button. Yeah, this is a sort of challenge that definitely gets people put on, on restraining order lists. Or <laughs> I forgot about the cowboy. Oh my god, I can't imagine... Uh, the condom guy is like, they're like, oh, do you have a walkie-talkie in your pocket? He's like, no, I don't have anything except a, except a condom. Uh, I, have a, I have a meeting in one of the porta-potties later. I know we love a character challenge, and this is very much a character challenge. 
Because yes, they do earn a fair amount of money for the pot from this. They end up earning just over a quarter of the maximum amount they could have earned for this challenge. But it's just pure character scenes. From Diedrich saying that finding things is a weak spot for him, as we've found out in this season so far, to Joachim getting trolled by the guy who says he's put his walkie-talkie in his pocket. Oh wait, no, it's just a condom. Then Diedrich going back to, let's be honest, teasing everyone about being stereotypes. Thomas looking at chess and cleavages shamelessly and and then getting flirted with by uh, one of the locals. Pretty sure she's parking up the wrong tree there. And then probably the quintessential Diedrich quote of he'd rather jump out of a helicopter or jump through a flaming hoop while abseiling with a polar bear than talk to people who are minding their own business while trying to watch a rodeo show. Yeah. And then uh, Diedrich was also shocked by this saying, oh, it's not just in the movies. Cowboys and cowgirls do really exist. So it's just kind of funny thinking that, oh, there's people in Europe that think this is just a big myth, that there's still that there's rodeos just going on in America and Canada. No, it's very much a thing. Well, I mean, that's our biggest tourist attraction in, well, se- second biggest, second biggest tourist attraction in Vernon is people coming here to go to the rodeo once a year, except during COVID, which they've now canceled for the past two years in a row. But that's like the second biggest draw that we get like 200,000 people come here for it just to watch people do their thing at the rodeo and try to balance on bulls. Dare I ask what the first thing is? It's a softball tournament. Our population more than quadruples during the softball tournament during Canada Day weekend because people from Washington State, Alberta, and all over come here for it. So it's like a few hundred thousand people come into town for those four days. Lots of police have to be around because of it. <laughs> is that because there are also Dutch people there staring at people's cleavages? No. If anything, it might be like just lots of drunk Dutch people, possibly. So I'm assuming given the values of the notes in this season are 10, 20, 50, 100, 250, 500, and 1,000, that all of those are represented, and then the 751 was in there as well. I mean, the maximum value for this challenge was 2,500. That's an educated guess. Meanwhile, the only person everyone seems to be able to find is the 10-euro guy. I don't know how. I'm assuming they were hidden in, in order of money, so you had to actually search for people with higher values. Yeah, because... Emanuela calls in the 10-year-old guy, and then Santa tries to claim him a second time. And I think Thomas sees him and says, no, I'm not doing that for 10-year-olds. <laughs> so yeah, Emanuela finds the first one, which is the 10 euro guy. Thomas finds the second one, which is 100 euros. Thomas then also walks past a 750 euro woman. Emanuela spots an area that people are coming from, which is a VIP tent, and she sneaks in and finds the 500 euro woman. And then she finds a second one, just as Joachim finds the 750 euro woman, and she banks her 20 euros. And Art tells Joachim that the assignment is over. Thomas then tries to bank a 50 euro note. He says he recognises the woman from before, and she asks if it was in his dreams. I think she might be barking up the wrong tree there. I'm not sure she's Thomas's type. And we have Thomas and Santa having a bitch fight in the middle of the rodeo as well. Yeah, about which numbers to call in. Yeah. They have the argument about her trying to bank the 10 euro button and basically just not trusting each other. And then we just cut immediately to Emanuela being, let's be honest, pretty unrepentant for her actions. She dances. Yeah, and she she calls in a combined toll of 30 euros for the two of her three phone calls. She calls in a 500 euro one as well. Yeah, that's I mean, 10 euros, 20 euros and 500. 
So it's like, thank God she called him the 500-year-old one because that would, I, she'd be at the top of my suspect list if it was just a 10 and 20-year-old notes. So it's like, hmm, you wasted two very, very cheap phone calls on this challenge. How do you think a mole should play this? It's tough because maybe maybe the Manuela strategy would have been the correct one. Waste two of the four phone calls on cheap amounts and then have one decent phone call mixed in there. Yeah, because on the one hand, you as Mole definitely want this to be a non-elimination. You want to be in control of that elimination, potentially. And you want to make sure that the person who gets a red screen, or should have got a red screen, does not see their red screen. But on the other hand, you can't have too much money going in the pot. There's two and a half thousand euros floating around this rodeo. So you need to try and make sure you win, I think, but not push it too far. There's a fine balance that the mole needs to have for this challenge. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if people at the time were thinking Emmanuel struck that fine balance. She wasted two cheap phone calls, but she managed to get three of the four phone calls and earn enough to pretty much guarantee she was going to win this challenge no matter what. And she blocked Joachim from the 750-year-old guy and... Who did Thomas find that was blocked too? The 100? Oh no, no, he found 100. He found the 100 actually in the game and then a 50. Too late. Right. Which would have been more than twice as much as two of Emmanuel's phone calls. Yeah, she she gets the third highest value here. No one finds a thousand euro on. Joachim finds the highest one. It's probably inside the condom. My favorite thing is just everyone just stumbling upon random things going on around the rodeo. For instance, Thomas... Thomas refusing to interrupt the casual arm wrestling match that was going on at the rodeo. Like I said, it's just a pure character scene, this. As much as, obviously, it's a challenge for money, it's just a pure character scene and us learning more about these people, especially as it is a non-elimination episode, so they have, like, a minute or two spare in the episode. Well, yeah, it's just a group of Dutch people having to interact with people in a foreign culture in awkward ways and just being like, oh, Cowboys and cowgirls do exist. Oh, what do you have in your pocket? Oh, just a condom? Okay, I'm going to stare at everyone's chest, no matter how uncomfortable they get, because I have no other choice. And oh, there's an arm wrestling challenge going on, but I'm too shy to interrupt whatever's going on in case they go after me instead. And then Emmanuel dancing around for the the end of the challenge. It will shock you completely to know that Emmanuela is our banner again this week. Her dancing next to the Portaloos made me laugh a lot. So Art meets up with them. They earn 630 euros of 2,500 for the challenge, 3,030 out of 5,500 for the episode, and 6,910 of 43,750 euros for the season so far. Emmanuel earned the most money, so she gets herself an exemption and can pick two other people who don't need to see their screens. They then discuss what they found. Diedrich says that he didn't find anyone because he hated the entire challenge and hated his entire life as a result of it. Everyone thinks that it's a bit weird that he found nobody, but then tries to pitch not seeing their screen to Emanuela. They then drive off into the mountains again, stopping in a ghost town called Chinico for a bit of a rest and an ice cream. And after we discussed this on the Argentina episodes of Demol Belgi last year, this episode basically just becomes Emanuela's choice instead of Hannah's choice. Because she has so many strategic decisions that she can make in this episode. Yeah, do you save your allies? Do you just put who you suspect the most at risk? Do you go with who you suspect the least so that you rule out a top suspect no matter what? But Well, not no matter what, if they get executed, I should say. Or just ensure someone goes home, make sure everyone's safe. 
so just so you're a nice person, everyone likes you. Yeah, it's tough. And then there is a lot of hilarious pressure that's put on her when they're on the back of that truck. <laughs> I love this scene so much. Because it starts really nicely with her setting up a family photo of her own and her thinking about her decision, saying she can either keep everyone together or try and get someone eliminated. Then everyone just starts guilt tripping her. Yeah, I was about to say, there's uh, like some people, there's some trips where, you know, some people just go to Vancouver from here or they just go to Seattle for the weekend or Victoria. But here, the longest trip of all is a guilt trip because Thomas says he's a child of divorce. Yalcum says he was bullied when he was young, and Sana says she Sana says she has two daughters. <laughs> I love how Thomas's immediate thought of how to guilt tripper is. I'm a child of divorce. Please keep me around. Yeah, he says, "I'm a child of divorce. My life hasn't been easy." Then we do have Yalcum saying that he was bullied as a child, or maybe he was a bully. It doesn't matter which. Both are traumatic. Yeah, then Sana says that she has two young daughters who would love to see her in the finale. Not that Emanuela can make that happen necessarily. And she also says that Joachim has older boys who won't care as much if he makes it. So, you know, save me. Yeah, they really need a strong female role model such as Sana to, to survive and get through to, to the final four of a reality show. And then my favourite bit of this is we see absolutely no guilt tripping from Diedrich. And then he's one of the ones she saves. Sometimes the person who begs the least is gets rewarded the most because they come off as the most sincere. I know you said that you quite like this format of a non-elimination. I really like it, especially when it's in the hands of someone like Emanuela. Like, imagine if it was in the hands of your own, for example. No one would be talking to him. <laughs> yeah, no one would care. I'd be like, well, I guess we'll just let your own decide whatever he wants. I'm not talking to that son of a bitch. But because Emanuela is such a compelling character, she elevates this twist even more. Yeah, because they, they dig into her so hard and she just seems so distraught over the choice she has to make. It's also a nice way of doing the non-elimination because it's one of the rare non-eliminations where they don't cost the group money in doing it. It's actually a reward rather than a punishment for the non-elimination to exist. And there's still a 40% chance that somebody goes home. Like, it's not like some other non-eliminations where you go into and you think, ah, I mean, we'll look at Georgia, right? It's just, it was just Simona looking at her screen and thinking, well, all that needs to happen is for Simona to be safe. But here at the Oregon, at least there's two, two out of the five people are at risk. They think, well, it, it could happen. Somebody could go home. It's also really interesting that this is the first non-elimination attempt that production have made in this season since episode one. Like in Georgia, it became a running joke that they were constantly trying to get a non-elimination to happen and Alche would turn around and go, no, we want money. Whereas they tried in episode one, they succeeded in episode six, and that's it. I don't know what they would have done had this not worked out and someone gone home in this episode as well, because none of the challenges next episode really lend themselves to a potential non-elimination twist on them. But it's really interesting that they didn't try between episodes two and five to do a non-elimination. Yeah. So it's now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least will go home, except for the mole who can never go home. Emanuela is immune and can pick two others who don't need to see their screens. Joachim has a yoker, and the test takes place in a forest near Bend. Emanuela suspects Diedrich. He had a whole conversation with Sanna about lowering expectations at the tractor challenge. 
She's not seeing a screen anyway, so she doesn't care that much. Diedrich is on Sana, but it's too risky to go fully on her, so he spreads a bit on Joachim as well. Joachim has been thinking all day about whether he's missing something. Is it Sana? Is it Thomas? He's not taking a risk, he's powering through the quiz just in case Emanuela doesn't save him. Sana is also on Joachim. He went over the O to waste time. It could be Diedrich too though. She's putting 12 questions on Joachim, 5 on Diedrich, and 3 on Thomas. Thomas says Sana doesn't bring much in and is always scared, but she does usually get over it. But it's also good that he doesn't have tunnel visi. He's still spreading on the test. And actually they bring up something really interesting in this execution scene, in that if Emanuela really wanted to do a non-elimination, she could have tanked this quiz. She could have put every question on herself. Yeah, I'm glad they actually brought that up as a point during this episode, that that's a strategy she could do, because they, they speculate whether or not Emanuela just decided to intentionally throw it. She could just put all the questions on herself. I mean, that's what you would do if you knew you were a player. I just really like this twist because it's it's very cerebral. There are so many layers to it, potentially, of, of strategy in this. Yeah, and then you'll and then it puts one player in a position of power with a lot of difficult choices to be made. Yeah, and yet it doesn't cost the part any money in them doing this. Yeah, that's the one thing I'm happy about because Vidim's not the most generous in that regard. No, we do moan a lot about non-elimination twists that end up costing the pot loads of money or stopping them earning any money, and it's nice to actually see one here where it's like, do your best, and the person who does the best will get rewarded for doing the best. It's actually an encouraging non-elimination twist rather than a sort of, ha-ha, you've lost money. Suck it. Bidding on Jokers wasn't your only problem. So I'll ask whether it's the first time that Emanuela hasn't felt nervous at the execution, or is she just a good actress? And she then decides to save Joachim and Diedrich. Thomas and Sana both get green screens, and as a result, everyone continues on to episode 7, knowing that one of Emanuela, Joachim and Diedrich should have gone home. Now you know what the next question is going to be. Who do you think should have gone home? I've not seen all of episode 7 yet, but I'm going to guess Diedrich. I think Diedrich was supposed to go home. Interesting. The reason that I told you not to watch episode 7 yet is because the person who goes home in episode 7 should have gone home here. Ooh, somebody was confident. Even though they thought it was a 1 in 3 or 1 in 2 shot, that it should have been them executed instead, they refused to change for the next episode. But who could it be? Stay tuned. Art reveals that at the reunion. It's one of the mysteries of the season who should have gone home here. But I can confirm it's the person who goes home next anyway. Bertrand. Yeah, it's obviously Bertrand. (laughs) So Emanuela ends the episode by saying she thinks everyone's on the same suspect, which is dangerous for everyone involved. Next time everyone gets five questions about each other, there's a kink in the cable... A hot air balloon flight requires them to trade numbers, Manuela gets more guns, and Joachim's Joker gets stolen. So, there was a hilarious exchange at the ex- execution between Art and Sane that, w- that made me laugh. When Art said, it would be bad for you if it ended here. And then Sane's face- facial reaction just turns to a, you think? Yeah, it would be bad if it ended here, Art. Thanks for pointing that out, Captain Obvious. I can't remember whether I said this in episode one or two, but I like Sana a lot more on this rewatch than I did at the time. I was never really a fan of Sana that much when I watched this the first time, because I was very much on the Emanuela train, and Emanuela is one of the best characters they've ever cast. But I really like Sana as kind of a background snarky presence. 
and there there are just a lot of there are a lot of mind games being played after this well no one gets executed but as soon as the execution is over and everyone is spared there's a lot of mind games because everyone tries to throw each other off if they should have been executed or not and trying to see if Emmanuel will admit if she tanks the quiz or not just everyone just throws in as much confusion as possible which I think sums up the group's ability to work together since the start of the season and we also get introduced to one of my favorite characters of the season in this execution which is Diedrich's stupid hat oh he was wearing like a big cowboy hat wasn't he he was yes (laughs) Diedrich's obviously been to the local stores before his execution. I think he took it from the rodeo. Or he bought it from, what was that name of that store? Tumbleweeds? I think they went to a store called Tumbleweeds right before the execution. Something like that, yeah. So, who do you suspect? My order from top to bottom. Number one, Thomas. Number two, Sane. Number three, Emanuela. Number four, Diedrich. Number five, Joachim. In other words, exactly the same as last week. Yeah, I didn't change. Based on everything that happened in this episode, I'm thinking, well, maybe Thomas could have gone for more money. Thomas Asana kind of really screwed up with describing the rooms, that it was more suspicious than any of the blindfolded people taking minus money. And then, of course, Manuel going for the having two phone calls combined for 30 euros <laughs> during the challenge made her stay at number three. And then Diedrich and Joachim didn't really do anything too much that made me suspect them this round. Michael, if you were Emanuela, how would you have decided who to save? I mean, Thomas brings up a good point. I mean, he is a child of divorce. I may have been swayed by the child of divorce argument, but I think if you're a contestant, you probably want to save anyone you think isn't the mole. Because if you do that, then it means one of your top suspects goes, or you're kind of revealing you're on the right lines. If you're the mole, you absolutely need to find out from production who's meant to go home and make sure that person does not, because you then keep the group bigger and are able to hide in the group. Yeah, if you're the mole, yeah, then you want to make sure no one goes home. I think you've always, as a contestant, got to go for saving people you don't suspect. And testing your suspects and trying to get rid of one of them. Because your number one priority as a contestant is target who you think the mole is and narrow it down and try and test them at every opportunity. And this is a perfect opportunity as a as a contestant. Because worst case scenario, nobody goes home. You can be pretty confident you're on the right lines then if you're confident on your suspects. Best case scenario, one of them goes home, you narrow down your suspects immediately. And you can pretty much guarantee that next round will be a non-elimination as well, and you're therefore safe through episode 8. How would you play it? Yeah, I don't know if I would be too concerned about saving my allies too much here, since it's so far into the game. I mean, I guess I could get one more episode of decent information from everybody, since it's still there's still two more executions to go, potentially. But yeah, I probably, probably want to just... Yeah, but you don't want to tip your hand either about having your two main suspects at risk. Yeah, maybe go with like what who you pick one person your allies want to go up for execution, then pick who you suspect the most and have that be the two people. That might be the safest way to play it. Yeah. I don't know what the best tactic is. It obviously depends on your role in the game, but it's a tough one. Yeah, I, pre- I appreciate the the dilemma that that Emanuela had here. There wasn't an easy decision to be made. And that's why I want to see this twist happen more often. 
just because there's many layers to it and there's not really a clear correct way to play it yet from a production point of view obviously you need a non-elimination there somewhere you absolutely have to force the non-elimination somehow but from a contestant point of view you're not costing the group any money and in fact you earn that spot purely by earning the group more money than anything and you really can play mind games with these people so it's it's actually the best of both worlds if you're going to have a non-elimination episode to do something like this where the team earn money out of it or the team earn maybe a little bit of money out of it because obviously the bare minimum they were going to earn would have been 180 euros if they got the four lowest values i think yeah and then art's like you guys just don't want to earn any money this season eh? the absolute bare minimum that they were going to earn was 180 on this so you're giving them free money but you're also introducing a twist as a result that challenges whoever's actually in that position of power plus you can have a little bit of fun with it via art if you really want to. I don't think Rick would be as entertaining as art was with this twist and actually faking these people out. So my suspicions at the time, in order, were Diedrich, then Joachim, then Thomas, Emanuela, and Sanna. And the top three on Bothers Bar at the time were Joachim, Diedrich, and Emanuela in order. Have you got anything else you want to say? Do I have anything else I want to say? No. <laughs> Why did you suddenly sound like you're working in the Working Girls Hotel? <laughs> it all got a bit sultry, and I'm not sure I'm comfortable with it. I wasn't even going for sultry. <laughs> I think I was just trying to be as dramatic as possible. Boy, did that not come across the way I intended. Overall, I appreciate the twist here, and I thought it was a solid episode. And hey, we learned that Yakum has an obsession with being a farmer. And that his neighbour used to let him play in hay. And we also learnt, more importantly, that Thomas is the child of divorce. That explains sure much. So, thank you for listening to our Vista Mall 2017 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for another old mall in Oregon. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube or Instagram where we are RTV Warriors. Or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at logsofgwacky. And I'm MJ Harmstone. Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles and we'll see you next week. Peace out and just chill to the next of flavoring.